This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome to this episode of Alopecia Life. Today's guest is Joyelle Crawford. Some of you may have already watched her recent TEDx talk. Others may have purchased her book, Show Your Ask, using your voice to advocate for yourself and your career. It's very cool to see the many ways her work in leadership also relates to her alopecia diagnosis. Check out the show notes for all the awesome ways Joyelle is impacting the career and leadership world. Thanks for joining us today for this fun conversation. Joyelle, welcome to Alopecia Life today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Deanne. Yeah, I am super excited. Danielle, she recommended that I reach out to you. And actually, she recommended that I look at your TEDx video. And we're going to talk about all the things that you do. For right now, I think we'll just have you kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Oh, wow. So a little bit about myself. I like to tell people I grow leaders for a living. And um, I do that through speaking, coaching, and um, facilitation. And um, that's that's what I do with my business. It's called Crawford Leadership Strategies. And I'm a New Jersey girl, born and raised. Did not expect to uh, land here in my uh, later years uh, back in New Jersey, but work and life has gotten me back here in New Jersey. So that's where I live. I'm married. Um, I'm a plant mom to four plants, uh, George and Wheezy and Tom and Helen. (laughs) No kids. We're just dual income, no kids. And I guess a little bit more is that I worked in the corporate world for about 18 years in telecommunications uh, before going out on my own. And I love to sing. I love to act. I wrote a book called Show Your Ask, Using Your Voice to Advocate for Yourself in Your Career. And um, just like you said, Danielle, who's my new friend, recommended me because of my uh, TEDx talk. So I just recently did a TEDx talk about why we should go bald together. Yeah. And let's share a little bit more about that. But let's talk about alopecia, your alopecia beginnings. Mm-hmm. Well, I was diagnosed, and this is this is fuzzy. I can't remember, ironically, I'm saying fuzzy, but it's fuzzy <laughs> for me to remember the exact year of diagnosis. I think I was diagnosed in 2003, but I believe in my mind and my heart and soul, I believe that I was in denial, that alopecia was something that is challenging to reverse. And so I got the diagnosis and I remember coming across it in some paperwork the other day. I was looking for some house paperwork, like taxes and stuff. And I was just like, what? It was in 2003. I thought it was in 2008, but it's actually 2003 is where I saw the diagnosis. And I'm really a little bit annoyed with the dermatologist that diagnosed me with it because she was the best dermatologist in New Jersey, black female dermatologist. And she really didn't tell me about the implications of what alopecia 
Ariata were and the challenges that would be to get my hair back. She kind of gave me false hope almost mm-hmm. um, in in getting my hair back. And uh, so I went through t- numbers of cortisone injections and I even did like a hair replacement surgery because again, I didn't believe that what I had was permanent. And I thought that my hair would come back. So I spent thousands of dollars going to Beverly Hills and trying to get my hair back as much as I possibly could. And the more that I tried to get my hair back, the more it would fall out. And so 2014 was the day that I decided, well, actually, I didn't decide on my own. My boyfriend, who's now my husband at the time, was just like, I think you'd look beautiful without any hair. You know, you've been wearing wigs and and nothing wrong with wearing wigs, but I just want to see your face, like I, I just for us. And so he took me to the hair salon. And um, I remember the beautician was just like, are you sure? And and I was like, yeah, let's just shave it all off. Because I was using all kinds of things to like fill in the blanks, you know, the patches and bald spots. And and she shaved it off in 2014. And I have not gone back. Um, So, yeah. Awesome. And when we think about that time frame, though, right, 2003, really, the beginnings Mm -hmm. to 2014, Mm -hmm. That's 11 years. I mean, that's a long long time. That's a long time. It's over a decade of, I almost want to call it a decade of denial, but I don't really think think of it as denial as more as I was really just trying to find answers. And there was not a lot of information out there. I didn't even know that there were associations out there that specifically work with people with alopecia. So I was just like completely unknowledgeable about everything. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been quite an experience. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like that timeline would have been shortened to the, to kind of this acceptance piece? If you had the right information in 2003, 2005, you know, as you were kind of starting this journey? Yeah, I think I definitely wished that my doctor was more realistic uh, with me. And I, and if I had gotten and received that information sooner, I think I would have approached things a little bit differently. Um, I would have saved a couple thousand dollars too um, in, in the, uh, the, the uh, hair replacement surgery that I was investing in. And um, now I've got this big scar in the back of my head, which people are always like, wonder what that is. Did she have brain cancer? Like what, what happened? People ask the strangest things is this by choice or circumstance? And I was just like, yeah, a little bit both. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been interesting. But yeah, you're to your point, Deanne, I really think that if I had known a little sooner, it might have made the acceptance a little easier to grasp. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I hear from a lot of folks who are given misinformation or you know, misdiagnosed, really, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. And then they, they go years and years with trying different medications that don't work and, and end up in the same place, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so I, I love that you've taken what you do with your business and kind of expanded upon it and had it relate with the acronym bald. Um, <laughs> and it's not for people with alopecia necessarily. It is right. it's in the leadership and business world. So I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. 
it's really exciting because BALD is an acronym from another acronym that I use, which is a coaching acronym that is an action planning tool. And it gets people to take action and move from where they are to a better place. And that's that was my intention with sharing BALD. And BALD stands for backup, analyze, lay out an action plan and do something. And the hardest part of going bald or or doing those things is the last piece. It's the doing something, like taking action. And I realized that talking with various people that I've coached, thousands of people that I've coached, it's it's that action piece. And it can be overwhelming to to take big steps to change things. A, that you might see within yourself and self-acceptance or perhaps things that are getting in your way that are holding you back. And so I, I share in the TEDx talk about how we all have metaphorical wigs that we hide our insecurities behind. And if it'd be really great world if we were able to just take off our wigs and be able to accept who we are, bald, you know, being bald and all and taking those steps to just be as authentic as possible and how comfortable we would be if if we were comfortable with ourselves and other people might say, hey, that person's really comfortable with themselves. I want to do the same thing and it could be contagious. Um, so that was my big idea we're sharing. And um, and it's helped people not who, who don't have alopecia um, move forward. I, I have actually have been coaching some folks who do have alopecia on how to to literally go bald and and feel more comfortable being their, themselves um, around family members and friends, and then there's the the figurative way of people going bald, uh, like helping people find their voice and um, creating boundaries and leading their teams in a way that's successful for both the team and the person that's leading it. Mm, I love that. All of that just sounds amazing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing all of that with us. Let's talk a little bit more about your journey with wigs, right? Because it mm, started mm-hmm. off and you you did all the hair transplant stuff, right? And then mm-hmm. you did covering it up and then you did probably product, right? Just try to yes. cover it and things like that. So yes. we'd love to hear a little bit more about that journey. Yeah, I will tell you, um, and I want to clarify this, and I said it in my TEDx talk, I am not anti-wig. Mm-hmm. I love wigs. I've named my wigs. I'm like Moira Rose on <laughs> on Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely one of those people. I'm very overdramatic, just like her. Um, and I love the different looks that wigs give me. But I felt that I was wearing wigs to make more people feel comfortable mm-hmm. around me versus vice versa of me feeling comfortable regardless of whatever it is. And I don't know what it is about wigs or maybe it's just black hair in general, but people always wanted to touch my hair, whether it was natural or artificial. People just loved all the different types of hairstyles um, and personalities, I guess I used to come in with. So it was like a novelty for them. And I was just like, I'm just living my life. I'm not here to entertain you. This is not, <laughs> this is not it. But I, I felt as, as I was seeing more and more of my hairline moving and it, it started with a, a little tiny spot about the size 
of a of a dime probably in college. Uh, my girlfriend was taking my braids out. I had these long braids, like in Poetic Justice that Janet Jackson had back in the nineties. And I had gotten them taken out. My friend was taking them out. And unfortunately, as she was combing the braids out, she kind of yanked my hair a little harder than normal. And I think that this kind of was the watershed moment of kind of when alopecia areata kind of entered my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it just kind of woke a sleeping giant. And the more I would relax my hair, the larger the spot would get. And so then I decided to go to a facility that worked on like hair replacement, but they had a system that they glued on top of my head. Cause at this point, the spot, the bald spot became the size of like a small, like orange. And so they decided in their infinite wisdom to glue almost like a toupee on top of my hair and then shave it off. So they would glue it and shave it, glue it and shave it. I paid many, many dollars for this, thousands of dollars for them to do this. And the hairdresser uh, said to me, this isn't working, Joyelle. And I know that this is against my company's policy, but this is making your hair worse. Mm. And so I left that place and again, started sending my headshots, so to speak, to um, all these different dermatologists, the best in New York, and then one in LA. And the one in LA was just like, you know, I think I can get you your hair back. Now, again, I forgot that I was diagnosed with alopecia. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking that this is just my hair falling out. So I did the hair replacement surgery that was very painful. And then I would wear my hair up in these hairstyles that would kind of like clip on a like an afro puff or Mm -hmm. you know like a fall um which is kind of like a partial wig Mm -hmm. and so I was using those as my kind of my camouflage to the the situation that was not uh, resolving itself um and then I finally just went straight out with the wigs because there were some wigs where I could actually clip what was left of the hair in the front of my head to that part and then kind of clip what was in the back that was still left. And so it was kind of like a clip on situation. And so that seemed to work for a while. But I think it would it just became really, really uncomfortable for me, like, literally uncomfortable, Deanne, like, mm-hmm. hot. I was living in South Carolina, yeah. and it's hot down there. It's yeah. hot and muggy and humid. And I wanted to swim and I wanted to go to the beach. And I couldn't really do that with these pieces and solutions that I was trying. And like I was saying, I was, uh, I even used topics, which is like a, mm-hmm. like a powder that you kind of spray on to the, the bald spot and it's supposed to collect to your hair, but not really designed for African-American hair because it got cakey. Um, you know, right. black hair, you have to use different products to, to make things stick. So putting hairspray on black hair to make something stick made my hair cakey and it was just a big mess. I remember just not wanting to go on dates or sleep over my boyfriend's house because I didn't want to leave like a hair print on Mm. the pillow. (laughs) I would sleep kind of like erect because I didn't want the topic to like leave a spot or a mark on a sheet. So that was, it was just becoming more and more of, a challenge and the wigs were hiding the problem temporarily, but 
it was, it was just, they really, they were really starting to get in my way of a feeling intimate. You know, I couldn't really let my hair down, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and that's when my, my boyfriend was just like, you know, I don't want you to wear your wig in the house. Like I want you to feel comfortable. And, you know, I finally told him what, what my condition was and, and he was so super understanding and he's just like well here's the deal like you don't have to wear wigs at home let your hair breathe let your head breathe mm-hmm. and i think you look beautiful and he showed me a picture of amber rose and i was like why are you showing me a picture of this um this uh adult dancer <laughs> i was like what's what's the what's the story here he's like no i'm not t- i'm not trying to tell you to be like her i just like her hairstyle and i think that you would look really great with your hair short or bald and i was just like okay and I just remember him taking me out to dinner to celebrate. And I kept on asking all of the servers, like, does this look okay? Does this look all right? I usually wear wigs. Like I'm trying to explain myself to everybody else. And I remember going to work and my coworkers saw the picture of me um, without any hair. And I brought my wig. I came in with my wig on and she said, what the hell is that on your head? And I said, it's my wig. And she was just like, take that thing off. She gave me a, a garbage bag and I threw my wig in the garbage bag. And she's like, I want to see your face. Like, I want to see the person that sent me a picture so happy and free. And I felt, I did, it felt freer just kind of coming out, so to speak, from making other people comfortable with how I looked. Yeah. Um, instead of just feeling comfortable with who I look like 100% without any hair. Love that. And I hear this a lot. Actually, I've watched it a lot with little kids and how they are trying to move in the world. And and we as adults are doing it, right? They're looking Mm -hmm. at us and they're they're moving in the world. They're losing their hair and they're like, I need to cover this up. I need Mm -hmm. to cover this up because other people are uncomfortable. And so I think that that point, it just needs to keep hitting home for adults listening and for adults who are listening who are also parenting and caregiving yes. young children, right? To, to say, you know, it's not their responsibility. It's not our responsibility to make other people comfortable. No, no. And I shouldn't have to explain myself totally. to anybody, right? And yeah. and it's like, why bald men move through the world? And it's it's almost like, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure that there's, there's obvious emotional trauma to all genders who are dealing with alopecia, but no one, I don't think I've ever met a a male alopecia, if if I can use that term, who's been questioned like I have, like, is this by circumstance or choice? And, And that's just, it's frustrating. But when you're a kid, it's not something normally that you would see male or female, a person without hair. And so in, we see so much on, in media and social media with people who have hair and they kind of feel like they're forced to look like everyone else. And I'm starting to see a bit more inclusivity for kids to, to look the way we look. And I love that. And I think I'd like to see more of it because it just makes things a little easier for the transition mm-hmm. um, and acceptance piece. So yeah, I don't know why I started getting on the full male female thing, but it just kind of irks me that, People have the nerve to ask me questions about why I'm bald, Mm -hmm. but a man can walk in the room and be bald and may have alopecia as well, but no one's asking him those questions. Mm. 
I think there, I, I definitely have a, a little bit different experience with that um, because I have attended NAF conferences and mm-hmm. been around mm-hmm. men. And so they definitely have experienced this, especially as young males, right? And it, it does not look the same as, as a bald man by choice, mm-hmm. right? Who's mm-hmm. shaved their head or, or has male baldness. It's just, it's very different. And the same insecurities apply. And the other thing is that, you know, alopecia universalis looks very intense, right? I mean, the no eyebrows, no lashes, no arm hair. I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty bold look. And so um, men definitely, I mean, they still get it, but then they get the, well, it's not that big of a deal for you, right? I mean, they get told that. So it's kind of a a harsh reality of be a guy, you know, oh, you're just, you know, you're a guy, you're fine. It'll be fine. And they're telling young mothers this too of little boys, right? Good point. Yeah, that is definitely happening for them. But definitely acknowledging that that there is some difference for sure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Because I, 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 I felt like I'm like, geez, you know, would you, would you ask a man this question, you know, Mm -hmm. but now thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And they're all, all, Always those people who will ask no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Equal opportunity. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Something that I think is very interesting and exciting for you is that you've been asked to be a keynote at the upcoming NAF conference in a few weeks. Yeah. And I would love to hear what what you'd like to share with maybe listeners. We don't want to like give away your your whole keynote, but what about the listeners who aren't able to attend a NAF conference? What would you like to say to them? The main theme is that we can do hard things and that there have been a lot of challenges thrown our way. One with accepting the fact that we have alopecia, but also living with it or even supporting as a caregiver. And I think it's important to remember that as we are doing these hard things, to remember to take care of ourselves. And it's such a huge, huge piece in healing and acceptance is that we take care of ourselves. So there's there's a big message in rising and thriving through challenging times. But the key is, is that we can't take care of others unless we take care of ourselves first. So that's as much as I can share, <laughs> giving it away. <laughs> Love it. Thank I was you. Trying my best to like <laughs> be as high level as possible. <laughs> it's perfect. Now, okay, so let's kind of switch to kind of maybe some words of wisdom for those mm-hmm. newly diagnosed. You know, I I think the biggest thing, so the words of wisdom is to ask questions. Ask as many questions as you possibly can. Don't go to Dr. Google and try to look it up because that is just a nightmare in Elm Street. So just keep asking questions. And if you're not getting answers, go to another physician and get the answers. Because with any kind of condition that you're diagnosed with, a lot of times the people, the physicians aren't well-versed in alopecia. They don't know you know, they have no idea um, what they're talking about. So get second and third opinions and explore these clinical trials. Do what you feel is going to make you most comfortable. And that is another piece of of wisdom is that I, I feel like 
the biggest piece for me once I was diagnosed was trying to kind of put my square situation into the round hole of, of, of life and just trying to make sure I fit in in a way that was just exact. It like just made me more uncomfortable. So do what makes you feel comfortable. If you want to wear a wig and that makes you feel comfortable, wear the wig. If you, you know, want to go bald, go bald. If you don't feel like you need to tell, you don't have to tell anybody anything. It's none of their business, but I just feel like ask questions get, you know, second and third opinions and do what makes you feel comfortable. Mm, Absolutely. Thank you for all of that. So when people are looking for you on social media, how can they find you? Wow. They can find me all over the place. I am on all the platforms. (laughs) I'm on all the platforms. I say that, (laughs) Um, but I really am. I'm on every single platform. I can be Found on my website, um, which is www.crawfordleadership.com. That's my business website. I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, on Facebook. I do belong to a number of different um, support Facebook groups, more than I can even rattle off in my hand. You can find me. There's only one Joelle Crawford that I know of mm-hmm. um, out there. I think it's me. Yeah. Um, it spells it the same way and everything. So um, if, even if you just search me, you'll, you'll find me. And and please, if you're interested in following me on on any of these platforms, just let me know where you came from because you know you know these bots are crazy, Dan. You know you don't mm-hmm. know if you're talking to a real person or a robot. So yeah. just let me know that you heard me on Deanne's podcast, and and then we'll connect. Fantastic. Joelle, thanks so much for being here. And we will have all the ways to connect with you in the show notes. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for sharing your time with Joelle and me today. I want to thank Danielle from the Humans of New York interview back in season two, who recommended I reach out to Joelle after watching her TEDx talk. All the ways to follow and connect with Joelle are here in the show notes. Come on over to the Facebook Alopecia Life group or on Instagram to comment about this episode. These are both great ways to keep the conversation about alopecia going. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is meant for general information purposes only. If you are enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review for Alopecia Life wherever you download and listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to alopecialife.com to find out more information on courses, coaching, and a ton of free resources.